Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. I am Nathan. How is your week? Been, my friend? My week? Uh, been all right. Haven't mm-hmm. uh, haven't done too much, I was just saying. It's been a bit of a catch-up before this episode. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen each other in nine days, but I got another tattoo. Well, I say another tattoo. I've finished mm. tattooing. Like, I have... I don't know if the listeners would have seen oh, yeah, the listeners would have seen it, but, but I have they probably would have seen it in the trivia episode. Yeah, I have patterns on my arm that I then just got filled with dots so that it looks more three dimensional. Just the shining carpet. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good one. That'd be a cool sleeve. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to actually design a sleeve. Mm. So I'll just be like, all right, here you go, Taylor. Yeah, shining carpet. Make it all geometric. Shout out to uh, Sublime Tattoos. Check them out. Um, yeah, it's like shading, but it's like. Dot work on one side, or is it dot work both sides? It's dot work both sides, but okay. the side with the quote-unquote cubes mm. is like each side of the cube has a slightly different shade of dots Okay, to make it actually pop so that it looks like cubes instead of before I just look at it and it kind of looks like yeah. a jag, jagged mess, I don't know. It definitely gives it depth. Yes. So so was that not shaded at all, or it was just not as good before? It was not shaded at all. Oh, okay. And that's like, I, I told my dad... That I got a new tattoo. And mm. he's like, oh yeah, what is it? And I had a mind. He's like, which one? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you have tattoos, nobody notices when you get a new one. Yeah. Like, they already don't care. You, you said it before. It definitely does like pop more now. Like, it, the the mandala looking stuff, like, definitely stands out more. Mm-hmm. And but. I don't know what it is about getting a tattoo that's so addictive. Like, you get yeah. one, and then all of a sudden it's like, what am I going to get for my next one? When yeah. can I get it? I'm kind of on my way to just having like, patchwork tattoos (laughs) i just got like little ones everywhere but um i think the first one i was like shitting myself and i was like trembling and everything and now it's like yep here we go do it and you just sit there and it is what it is Mm -hmm. i breathed in just then Mm -hmm. and a moth went in my mouth (laughs) 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 all right where's the spider i was gonna go (laughs) monty um that's apologies for that interruption that was fucking gross And moths have like dusty shit on them as well, so that'd be like your your inside of your throat is caked with shit. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, continuing on. How was your week? Swallow any moths? <laughs> oh man. Oh, we're off to a, we're off to a good start. Um, I had a busy week, man. I was up to all sorts of stuff. Um, went out a lot. Like we had a, a dinner with friends. Went to like a dumpling restaurant, which mm-hmm. was cool. Um, had like a, a work dinner as well where I took my team out and we got burgers and folks took me out to brunch. So yeah, lots of eating out. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad. Uh, um, yeah, all, all Brisbane final. So, uh, growing up in Victoria, I was a, an AFL follower, but I kind of dropped off in the last, I don't know, five to 10 years and don't really follow any sport that this, closely is, anymore. Is this sports? Are we a sports podcast now? <laughs> I don't. I don't follow any sports. Alex occasionally mm. watches it in the background. She tries to talk to me, and I'm like, "Why? What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you telling me about sports?" Well, in the AFL, Brisbane Lions beat my team, Carlton, who I used to follow, uh, in the the semifinals. So now Brisbane are in the grand final. Which, uh, you know, I'll still go for them over Collingwood. Sorry, grand and granddad, but. Um, that was cool to see him get that far. And then obviously Brisbane Broncos smashed bloody Melbourne Storm and then New Zealand Warriors. So it's uh, it's exciting. But um, that's about the extent of it. Apart mm. from finals and state of origin, I don't really pay much attention at all. And now to that battle for the weather. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, apologies. What's... Yeah, go ahead and continue. 
I managed to cram in 10 movies this week. Jesus Christ. 10 movies. <laughs> I worked Monday to Friday. 10 movies. Relatively long hours, but I, I, I made the most of it. So I watched uh, three films, I think, in one day. Uh, I watched, I think, one or two after work and then like four or five on the weekend. And really interesting one. I watched um, After Sun, which is a, a Scottish kind of arty, like new wave film. Uh, that cleaned up at some some festivals last year and recommend that one. And um, I watched a new Australian horror on Netflix called Run Rabbit Run. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's probably worth a watch, but um, nothing to write home about. Any relation to the rabbit proof fence? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was somewhat entertaining, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a little predictable and nothing kind of innovative in it. But um, the other fucking seven films I watched were films. <laughs> In The Nightmare on Elm Street oh, saga. So you, so you went back and watched all of them? I watched all seven oh. except for the shitty remake. Yeah. Good lord. Okay, well, that's that's excellent. I watched the first one. Well, mm-hmm. I rewatched the first one because mm-hmm. uh, I've seen, well, yeah, I've, se- I've seen them all multiple times. Yep. I didn't really feel like I needed to go back and watch all of the sequels this week. Yeah. And uh, limited time, mm-hmm. even though you're kind of a busier man than me. <laughs> Big up the slack. But, yeah, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I was just going to watch the first three But I was like, nah, i got time, we'll keep going And uh, it was worth it I remembered more of the later ones than I thought Okay. And I, I think it's because you and Alex had a marathon not too long ago When we lived together And I must have mm. caught a few of those second-handedly But yeah So uh, if you haven't guessed <laughs> If this episode has come on and you didn't choose it And you don't know what the hell we're discussing Today we are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street 1984 original uh, one of the classics in the horror genre, and uh, one that you're particularly partial to. <laughs> yeah, I'd say of the, uh, like, if you want to call the three, I guess, main horror or early horror icons, mm-hmm. like a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you got Freddy, you got Jason Voorhees, and then you got Michael Myers. Those mm-hmm. are a lot of people's, three. like, core three. Uh, if you're going between those three, it's definitely my favorite of them. Yeah, okay. And you mentioned uh, Dream Warriors. Number three was in your top fives. Yep, top five and, movies, uh, the horror movies of just all time. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Know, I don't know. I think I said in that one. I don't know if it's because uh, of just my like that was the first one I watched of it, mm. or because even going back and watching all seven of them. Yeah, I think it's still my favorite. I think so too. Like, I gotta say, uh, I I had seen the first one like I don't know maybe three times before this pod, and watching it again. Uh, like last week, it's much better than I remembered. Like I knew it was good, but mm-hmm. in terms of like the practical effects and like how well it's shot, it's probably another one in like my top ten. Yeah, they yeah, just didn't sure. make the top five. Like it's <laughs> it's good, man. And um, but yeah, three. You mentioned it in the top fives episode. Like Freddie starts getting like quotable. He's got his dark humor comes into play. And He's got the humor, but he hasn't taken the turn to be the slapstick like, yeah. joke that he is in the later movies. That's right. He's still like menacing. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, he becomes a bit badass and the deaths are gnarly. Like we've spoken about the puppet one and the fucking welcome to primetime bitch mm-hmm. and head through mm-hmm. the TV screen. So it's probably, yeah, some more iconic deaths than the first one, I would say. But as a whole... I don't think you can say that. Oh, okay. Like the first okay. movie, a fucking... Uh, Obviously a product of its time, but yeah. there are other old movies you go back and watch, like, say, Friday the 13th, which was earlier, so, mm-hmm. you know, take that mm-hmm. with a grain of salt. But the effects in that look kind of cheesy, yeah. a lot of them, especially the certain acts to the face. Yeah, um, yep. But, 
like some of the kills in this are fucking iconic. Yeah, like, that's true. Like that's the true. Tina's character getting like up the wall. Yeah, like they, on the ceiling. They built a whole fucking like Ferris wheel rotating set mm. so that they could film. Yeah, her just levitating, not levitating, but like crawling up the wall onto the roof. Yeah, getting killed, and then a fucking geyser of blood coming out of fucking. <laughs> that's true. A bed from Johnny Depp. That's true. I mean, I, I remembered all those, but. I don't know. For, in terms of like the coolest deaths, I think the puppeteer one's definitely up there. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But you I mentioned- just mean in terms of like it was the first one, so it came from nothing. And yeah, it, true. And I, set set the bar. Yeah, this wasn't his first film by by any means. Mm. Wes Craven, who he directed and and wrote it. Mm. Uh, but like, I don't think he'd ever done anything on this scale of fantastical deaths before. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who did Last House on the Left. Uh, Hills Have Eyes, both of which I think I mentioned recently. I can't remember if it was the last episode or not. Mm-hmm. Um, People Under the Stairs. And he also came back for number seven, New Nightmare. West Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah it was called West Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the when it starts getting meta, like scream mm. and stab and all that kind of thing, <laughs> uh, which is cool. Um, but yeah, really good movie. Uh, really good practical effects. Um with some, some decent acting you've got for, to chuck an for kids. You've got to chuck an asterisk in there. Right. Really good practical, practical effects, except for one off the top of my head. Okay. And okay. everyone who has seen the movie knows exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. It's uh, the, the, the end? The end. Yeah. The doll <laughs> getting pulled through a fucking window. <laughs> yeah, I have, as, as much as I love the movie, and I think it's iconic and incredible mm. and just good, Yeah, it... Has some glaring issues. Okay. Mainly the end of the movie, I don't like. Yeah, I guess we'll get to that. But it's, I mean, they all kind of end with that one final scare thing and the sequel bait. But this one yeah. doesn't even really make like narrative sense. Yeah. So and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned before, directed by Wes Craven, the man also wrote it. I can't remember if you said that or not. I did. Starring Heather Langenkamp, who came back obviously for for New Nightmare. Yep. Uh, Johnny Depp in his. Feature debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old was he? You reckon? Oh, uh, he probably would have had to be like was he like seventeen to nineteen? I was gonna say he was under twenty. He from was the definitely under twenty. Um, John Saxon and Robert England. Mm-hmm. Uh, was like, was Robert England in much outside of this that like was anywhere near successful? Because when you say Robert England, I only know him of a Nightmare on Elm Street, but I know he's had like cameos in other horror films. Yeah, well, that like that's just got to be hindsight, I guess, right? Like, yeah, because that's the most iconic thing he's known for. Mm. But I'm sure he had like minor success before then, because he was I don't I, I don't know what age he was when he got the role, but he was at least middle aged man. Yeah, I did read. I, I can't remember who else um, was going for it, but I did read that for his audition, was it Jack Nicholson, because it wouldn't fucking surprise me. <laughs> Look, probably. Um, I did read that when he was rocking up for his audition. He used oil from the dipstick of his car to grease his hair back. Oh, and, and then he got like axle grease under his eyes. Yeah, to like have like a sunken look. Like he was really committed yep, yep. <laughs> to the role. So props. Um, made on a budget of just one million uh, and grossed around fifty-seven million at the box office. Yeah, I think. Of course, it's one million in eighties money. Yeah, so, this is true. Yeah, take that, mm. but. Yeah, I op- like made its money back in the opening weekend, I believe. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. which is wild. And it took a while to get there because um, it w- the script was knocked back a few times. Uh, in fact, I read a fun little fact where Wes Craven actually framed 
like the rejection letter from Universal <laughs> Studios of the original script he submitted. Nice. So, because it ended up going to New Line Cinema. Yeah, right? it like saved them from bankruptcy. Yeah, well, I think they'd only ever done maybe one other movie. Because I think they were a distributor, and mm. then this is what essentially turned them into a studio. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know what is strange, and it must be somewhat of a trend of these eighty slashes. Like, look at Friday Thirteenth. As far as I'm aware, they never mention Elm Street in the first film. Yeah, no, they don't. They like, I, I think you maybe see a sign that says Elm Street. But yeah, I'm sure the word Elm Street is never spoken. Yeah, and it it does come up like later in the series. To to top that, he's not even called Freddy Krueger. Yeah, in the true. first movie, they call him Fred Krueger. It's just Fred. Yeah, yeah. because the only real mention of Freddy is like in the nursery rhyme that they sing in the dreams, right? Oh, yeah, okay, no, that's fair. Which and, I think was... But even then, that's not like someone referring to him yeah, as Fred. sing it. Which yeah. I think was created by Heather Legencamp's boyfriend at the time. Like that little nursery rhyme. Oh, okay. Like he wrote the melody and the the words or... Yeah, well, I just think he's like, he's attributed as the person who came up with it. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I've read that it was inspired by 1970s newspaper reports of Asian immigrants dying in their sleep. Yeah. The Wes Craven was reading in his area. Offshoot of sudden instant, oh, sudden unexpected death syndrome, right? But they called it something, Asian, sudden, or Asian unexpected oh, death syndrome. Oh, yeah, something like that, yeah. Which is pretty gnarly. Like, I, I presume there would have been medical reasoning, but uh, just dying in your sleep sounds like somewhat peaceful because, you know, no pain, but terrifying. Like the fact that the next time you go to sleep, you could wake up dead. <laughs> uh, it's definitely like an existential fear, sure. Yeah. But in terms of in the moment, like that's the way to fucking go. Well, I guess so. Peaceful. And um, not dying and screaming like the people in the passenger seat. <laughs> like everyone in this film. Uh, Fred Krueger, the name, apparently was inspired by Wes Craven's childhood bully. Oh, nice. Which I found part tragic and part kind of scary. <laughs> the, man, the man only had one bully? If you fuck Must with Wes nice. Craven, he's going to make you a child-molesting serial killer in a successful now, now film franchise. On. In this first movie, he is not a child molester. That's true. And I think in our remakes episode, we addressed that that's blatant in the, the remake. remake. But I think like there's a newspaper article where the headline... Reads child molester in one of the later installments. Yeah, yeah. In the in the later stuff, they introduce it, but in the first one, it's maybe inferred. Yeah, but they never say child killer. Yeah, and to be fair, like the later films, like Wes was probably just a producer and an advisor anyway. So yeah, might well, not I, have been I don't his even, idea. I don't even think he directed number two. No, no, I think he only did one and seven. Mm. Yeah, but so that was that was kind of funny. Which um, is sorry, sorry to off track there, but which is very evident looking at the entire series because mm. it's something I love about the franchise, but also it suffers greatly from it, right. is that every single film is completely different to the last. Like, yeah. no two films are the same, sometimes for the worst because there are some truly awful movies in this franchise, <laughs> but it always, like, goes in a different direction, especially, okay. like, the jump from one to two is, like, so unexpected. Yeah, see... I want to test the waters here. What do you think is the worst film in this franchise? Uh, without a doubt, it's Freddy's Dead. Okay. So, yeah, without a doubt. Okay. It's, I think it's the worst in terms of like made movie. Mm. It's a fun movie. It's definitely more fun than, say, like 
the Dream Child is probably the most forgettable one for me. Sure, okay. But yeah, in terms of bad movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say two, Freddy's Revenge. What? But, but that was just because not a lot of it made sense to me, but it was a better made movie than Freddy's Dead for sure. What didn't make sense about it? I mean, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the coolest thing in that film was Freddy being birthed from the guy's stomach in his bedroom. However, this happens like in the latter half of the film mm-hmm. and it's such a slow burn and then Freddy's like not so much attacking them in their sleep but just becoming this guy and even yeah. then it's happening when he's awake. Yeah, like, I li- So much of it is different. I like that aspect of he is trying to possess, I can't remember his name, but he's trying to possess the main character mm. uh, to like become into the real world. But yeah, I don't like in that movie how there's like the pool party scene and Freddy, yeah. Freddy's literally running around in the just real throwing world. throwing pool chairs around at teenagers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, another little fun fact, um, the the red and green uh, sweater obviously is one of the most famous attributes of Freddy Krueger along with the fucking beaten fedora and the clawed hand. But yep. uh, apparently um, this was chosen uh, because... Wes read in a science journal article that red and green are the most clashing colours to the human retina. And you okay. wanted uh, wanted Freddy's appearance to be quite jarring. Most clashing colours? Mm. Or most, like, complementary? Because look at fucking Christmas. That's red and green. Yeah, that fucking... It's an eyesore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was another reason for having, like, the burnt face, um, but also tied in with the fact that he obviously was aware of... Halloween and Friday the 13th having uh, famous, like, masked characters. And he didn't want that. Same as, I guess, with, like, Leatherface. Um, but he still wanted them to be scary. But he also knew he wanted them to to speak. So, so, how, do, so how do you make a normal person's face scary without putting a mask on it? You just yeah. burn it the fuck up. Burn them. Yeah. And uh, that was quite effective. But on that note, he doesn't speak much in the first film. Don't have yeah. much dialogue at all. Yeah. He's 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 at his most just silent menacing yeah. in this first movie. Like we said at the start, he he starts getting kind of vicious in two, but he doesn't have his quips till three. So mm. the closest yeah. he comes is when he says, "I'm your boyfriend now." Yeah, and he's doing the tongue phone thing. Yeah, <laughs> that reminded me of the hand in Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd also love when I think it's the first time you see him sort of in full form uh, in Tina's dream, and he's like, "Watch this." Just like severs his oh, fingers and yeah. you get like the green fluid spurting out. Yes. Uh, Gnarly. Do you think we should maybe, on the off chance that literally no one has seen is well, not literally, if anyone hasn't seen this movie, what it's actually about? Yeah. Yeah. Give, give him a, a summary, a premise. So a real quick summary for those of you, if you have avoided this. I don't know if Sean's seen this movie. I should really find out. I don't know. Sean hasn't seen a lot of things. Yeah. Sean should be my base of like... Do people know what this movie is? Has Sean yeah. seen this movie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's about a group of teenagers, obviously in the 80s, that start experiencing nightmares from basically the same man or entity. Mm. And it slowly just kind of starts killing them in their dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Because they all dream of the same guy and it's not till someone will mention what he looked like where they're like, oh, I had that dream last night. Yeah. And yeah. Kind of, kind of sus. Yeah. And then it kind of gets deeper as to why they're kind of dreaming of him yeah is that addressed in the that's the end of the first film they realize why those particular kids are being targeted yes when she's talking to her mum in the kitchen that's right yeah the story goes that when their parents were younger they burned this guy who killed 20 kids was it 
Oh, I don't know the exact number. But and um, the reason that Freddy's targeting this new group of kids in the original film is because they're the descendants of the people mm-hmm. that murdered him. Mm-hmm. It's going to get revenge and kill like children. And it just goes down the line in sequential films. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty cool concept. And given how famous that sort of premise is now, I don't know if that was done before this film, 1984. Well, I wasn't alive then, so it's hard to remember, but I don't <laughs> think so. I can't off the top of my head think of any other movies. Because like, I'm a big like 70s horror guy, and I can't think of anything similar. Yeah, it's 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 kind of perfect, because it's, it's got an aspect of supernatural you know, horror, because it's a man in their dreams, mm. but it's not you know, a ghost, or it's not uh, a demon or anything like that. It's just a man mm. who is... Like, where do you get that idea? A man killing people in your dreams. Yeah, I mean, reading the inspiration before where sort of Wes was describing that he had the idea of, like, the horror being that the next time you sleep, you could die. And then I guess the way he twisted that was, all right, there's there's got to be a reason for these yeah, people what dying. If, what, if, what if the thing in the dream was actually the thing killing you? Yeah, so I guess your only options there is like, well, it's either a killer that's doing it or there's some kind of, like, disease or some kind of bodily function that happens when you switch off that kills you so that's a le- that's a much much less interesting movie I one think. is more existential but uh, uh yeah cool concept and then he just thought what colors look horrid together and let's <laughs> name him after my childhood bully and there you go you have An a bad dude was born yeah yeah because for a while there you're tying in with the theme of tattoos you were debating getting a freddy tattoo right the only i, I yeah, the only reason I didn't is because I misremembered the movies. I really wanted okay. to get Freddy Krueger doing a shucks on a skateboard. Yeah, If the yeah. people don't know what shucks is, it's when like the, the pinky thumb yeah. like, surfer emoji. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Shark or whatever I, it is. I misremembered and I thought that happened in... Well, I thought he rode a skateboard in the third movie, but mm. it's not till like the fifth or sixth movie, which yeah. I'm not getting a tattoo based on one of those <laughs> shit movies. Freddy's dead on your skin forever. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and also the the famous glove, is that like an everyday gardening tool, or did he create that concept for this film? Did you? Oh, uh, oh, uh, it's. I don't think it exists in real life. It's a, like like shears, sure but for your fingers. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think I read that it was it, like he tied it into another like of people's innate fears of clawed animals and like being attacked oh. by people with claws. Okay. He's like, all right, my killer's gonna have like claws. How do you give a man claws? No, you just mm. put some knives on a glove. Yeah, actually, I think you're right because that also ties in where he wanted his killer to be different as opposed to having a mask like the others. He also just didn't want them to have like a knife or a machete. He has five. So, yeah, much more dexterous, I guess. Mm. I just keep blurring it with fucking The Simpsons and uh, you see Ned Flanders with it just trimming his, uh, his okay. hedge. You know what I love though is even though he's got like the iconic weapons, mm. he doesn't... A lot of the times, he kills people in other ways. Yeah, he kind of uses, like, illusions and tricks and things mm. to, to have them, like, be trapped in goo or yeah. something like that. And Which I guess is, like, a byproduct of having them die in dreams. Because mm. it's a dream, he can just make anything happen. Yeah, like, think of weird and wonderful ways to, to trap them. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Because this movie opens with him in a basement making the glove. Oh, yeah. And then it transitions to, like, Tina walking around and she's in the same, like, basement boiler room area. And I mentioned before, like, when he cuts his fingers off, I think it's before that, he's, like, walking down the alley with, like, the, the really long arms, which looks 
kind of goofy, but I love yeah. it. That scenes like that mm. are what make me question not not how this became such an iconic movie and like such a classic because it is legitimately good in a lot of aspects. Mm. But how they get away with like goofy things like that happening is yeah. ridiculous. Like the man looks like a Stretch Armstrong doll just walking <laughs> down, a fa- and then the way he like shambles, he's like running down. Yeah. Well, I think they kind of, at least in the later films, they like played into his like humorous nature by yeah. being able to get away with goofy kills. But in the first one, where he is kind of silent and menacing, it is a little out of place. Mm. But in saying that, in the same scene, she like grabs his face and like oh, peels the skin off, yeah. so it's just the fucking skull. Yeah, see that—that that was sick. That makes me question even more how <laughs> they can go from one extreme end to the other. Yeah, like really and, good effect to really bad effect. Yeah, exactly. Um. And I like when she actually gets killed and she's like slashed in the stomach and like gets pulled up to the roof, like you said before. But there's a brief glimpse of seeing her and Freddie under the sheet, mm-hmm. like where there's that like glimpse of in between. That yeah. was sick. I really love that they left that shot in there. Yeah, of course. Very cool idea. And just some of the practical effects as a whole in this film, like ignoring the long fucking arms, like the tent pole arms, some really creative ways that they achieved these. Like the, we mentioned in the remakes episode, that iconic, like, scene where he's pressing his face and his hands through the wall, mm-hmm. um, which was just spandex stretched over a hole yep. uh, in the plaza, which is genius. Um, and that famous bathtub scene, of course, where the, the clawed hand comes up between the legs and then she gets pulled under. Um, I believe that was just a fake bathroom set built on top of a swimming pool, <laughs> which is such a cool idea. And like what I like to call the marshmallow stairs, um, where their feet just get stuck in like these gooey potholes. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was just holes cut in the stairs and filled with pancake mix. I've heard different stories. I've heard pancake mix. I've heard oatmeal and glue. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't even think they know what they used. <laughs> but it's just really cool. These really compelling and effective effects that they've used, but achieved so simply. Like, these are things that you could do if you were making, like, a student film at home. Yeah. But also, it's just stood the test of time. Yeah, well, the, the special effects, the main special effects guy was Jim Doyle. Okay. And uh, I think when he first signed on, he was very worried about the lack of budget that mm. they had for special effects. But he fucking rose to the challenge. Yeah. He's like, all right, take it as a as a challenge. I'm going to do my best. And yeah. And you end up with some good shit. Hell yeah. I mean, I say this a lot on this pod, but I just feel these limitations create such awesome results because it forces the visual effects team to think outside of the box. It's like, all right, this is what we have. What can we do with it that's different? (laughs) Um, And it's not really a practical effect, but when uh, Nancy sees Tina at school and she's like in the bloodied body bag, which is clear for some reason, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's that's sick as well. Um, And when she goes in the hall and there's like the fucking hall guard or whatever... He's wearing like a red and green sweater and then becomes Freddy. Because does Freddy impersonate, not impersonate, like imitate many people in the first film? Or is that just the only instance? Because it becomes like a uh, kind of trend in the franchise. Yeah, I think he only yeah, really does it the once there in the first one. Yeah, because then there's other times like later in the saga where it'll look like a woman and then it turns out it's Freddy like in a nurse outfit or things like that, which I really love. Yeah. Um, Robert England at his finest. Uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, the famous boiler room where it's it's rumoured that... Um, well, he didn't 
die in the boiler room, did he? They didn't because they just burned him alive in his home, I yeah. think. But he did he work in the boiler room? Well, he worked at the school. Yeah, so that must have been just where he took them, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, and you got like all the rusted pipes, the the furnaces, of course, the the steam and like the dripping water and everything. Like it's just so dank and eerie. <laughs> like whenever you you get like a boiler room scene. And I mean, I don't think I've ever been in like a boiler room or something similar, but well, they just... You don't really have boiler rooms in Australia. But yeah. it's just like any dank basement where it's yeah. steamy and dark and weird looking. Mm. But I do like that then they can play around with like the steam, like pouring out of the pipes and then like creates this natural fog that mm-hmm. he can kind of disappear into, <laughs> things like that. You get the the famous sparks and the screeching sound when he's like dragging the claws along the rails, yep. like things like that. Just really cool environment for a, a clawed killer. Yeah. And, uh, of course, when I watch this, I just keep picturing groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly the problem with the Simpsons. <laughs> Do not touch Willie. Good advice. <laughs> Stupid smart weather. Um, and I think it's one of the later films. Oh, it's, you know what? It's, it's one of my favorite deaths, um, or, or favorite kills in the franchise is, um, when you've got, I can't remember which film it is. It's like five or six, I think. Um, the guy that has like a cochlear implant. Um, That's seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, pulls out the fucking chalkboard and just... I love that gag. Dude, yeah. Where he pulls out a tiny chalkboard and he like stretches it. Yeah. There's something so like visually appealing about that. Reminded me of the mask. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's who he turns into. He, he goes from a, a semi-silent killer to yeah. the fucking mask. Scratches his claws out of the chalkboard. The kid's head literally explodes. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking good. Um, one of my favorite lines in this film that I forgot about until I watched it um, this time around was, I don't know if it's before or after Nancy has the scare that gives her like a streak of gray hair yep. from the, the stress, but um, she's in her bedroom and Glenn's there, Johnny Depp's character, and she like looks into a hand mirror and she's like, God, I look 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, how awful. <laughs> to look 20 again. I mean, I mean, I've just shaved. I probably look 12. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's just, you know, that's that's the real fear of a teenager. Yeah. Looking old. Yeah. Because does, does Freddy kind of play into their fears, would you say? Like when they're dreams to like turn them into nightmares? I don't think he does. He just... He, he's not... He has a lot in common with uh, it. Yeah. Especially the whole like how they defeat him in the end. Mm. But he doesn't like play on any particular fears. Because I guess he's not... I don't know which ones are... Omniscient? Okay. Is that the right word? Where he, he's not all-knowing. Yeah. So he doesn't... He can't look into their... Like he can't read their minds. But... He's just, yeah, attacking them in their dreams. By the way, is the word you're looking for omnipotent? No, I thought it, because there was, I was trying, that's why I paused. There's omnipotent (laughs) and omniscient. I think omnipotent is all powerful. Omniscient is all knowing. Okay. I've not heard that term before. That sounds cool. No, you're more familiar with impotent. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a second. Um, Uh, That's good. I also got like an It Follows vibe from this film. Like there was parallels to It where Freddy gives me like, I don't know, Pennywise vibe of like hunting down these kids one by one and, you know, putting them in situations that people are afraid of Mm -hmm. uh, that isn't actually real or happening, but it is to them. Um, But more so, and it follows how you've got like these, this group of kids like banding together to fight this entity that adults don't see or necessarily believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I think that's a bit of a stretch for me, but uh, I can see the themes you're going for there. 
I think I just must like those kind of horrors where there's something happening that you're more vulnerable because it, you know, only happens to you and no one else can see it in Mm -hmm. it or it only happens to you and no one else can help you because you're dreaming Mm. like Nightmare on Elm Street. And then you've got, you know, they're all experiencing it together, but they can't go to anyone else for help apart from themselves. Yeah, well, I guess it just plays more into that, like, isolation fear. Yeah. You, you can be isolated in a room surrounded by people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say this just because we've done Candyman and Hellraiser somewhat recently. I wonder if Clive Barker was inspired much by Wes Craven as a director because there are a few things in this film alone that uh, I've seen him do in his films. Like, in this one... Uh, there's a moment towards the final act, or in the final act, sorry, where Freddy like bursts through the bedroom mirror, kind of like Candyman where the arm with the hook comes through. Yeah, okay. Uh, and also, you know, like that floating feather scene in um, Hellraiser? Hellraiser, like yep. the dream sequence? Like that kind of happens in that same scene in this film where he's like slashing about on the bed and cuts the pillow open and then all these feathers kind of fall down while they're wrestling. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe there are just like slight homages that he's put into his movies. Just like visuals that he really appreciated wanting to to do his own version of. Yeah, nice. Well, I mean, Wes Craven is uh one of the one mm. of one of the horror icons. He made this end screen. Yeah, well, that's true. That's what I really like about New Nightmare is you can see where he was starting to get into that whole like meta concept for his yeah. horrors. That one is a weird one because I've still only actually seen that one once. Okay. Like, the the other seven, not including the the remake. Like the first seven. I've seen, I want to say at least half a dozen times. Okay. But for some reason, I think it's maybe just because I didn't have the DVD. Yeah. I've only seen New Nightmare once. Mm. And at the time, I don't think I appreciated it. Yeah. I I could kind of take it or leave it, but I do think that like movie and a movie and a movie concept <laughs> is really cool for its time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. What do back, you think? back to the original. <laughs> yeah, sorry. What, do, what do you think about like acting in the first one? Like Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, mm. and others, because I don't know who <laughs> played them. I thought they were pretty convincing. Um, like the stern father that just thinks his daughter's crazy or irrational, like was played played to character well. Heather Langenkamp as Nancy was convincing, very like determined, like this resolute woman, which mm-hmm. you kind of see in a lot of the... 70s and 80s horrors, like those Final Girls, those heroines, which was nice. Yep. Um, Johnny Depp, he kind of just had a simple role in this. Like, it was just a just a kid, like, that was in love and still figuring out his life. But he doesn't really have much... Like, apart from being her love interest, he doesn't have much to do in this film. Yeah. Like, he's, he's pulled aside to, like, help wake her up when she falls asleep. Every time, he just falls asleep as well. Yeah. It, well, it's an interesting... Like character-wise, because yeah, he doesn't have much to do, but mm. he plays the role of a boyfriend who doesn't believe Nancy, mm. but still goes along with her anyway. Yeah, and I mean the other one, Rod. I think that was Tina's yep. boyfriend, Rod or Rob. Rob, I, th- uh, I think it was Rod. Yeah, Rod. Um, he was a dick. <laughs> he was a dick and a he, bit creepy as well. Yeah, I I really like his character though. Like, okay, I, and that's saying. Hopefully, he's not like that in real life. Yeah. Like, hopefully, it is he's that good of an actor that he can make you hate him as the character. Yeah. But he plays that character very well. Like, he plays the dick character that is still, like, the tiniest bit lovable. Mm. A little bit rapey. Yeah, yeah. It was the 80s. It is good writing, though. 
Um, mm. I mean, particularly because he becomes the main suspect, obviously, in Tina's death because he was in the room when it happened. Yeah. And then because he's already kind of creepy and unhinged and, you know, very, very kind of um, an interesting dynamic with the other friends. Like, even Nancy doesn't really trust him. Like, for God's sake, he jumps out from behind a bush, <laughs> like, grabs her and when her dad's a cop. Yeah. Um, but I really like when he's hanged in his cell with, like, the sheet. Uh, and that kind of furthers that sort of idea in the other characters' minds that he did it. Because it's like, you know, the guilt or he didn't want to... He didn't want to face up to his crime, so he just punched out in prison kind of thing. Like, yep. that was clever clever writing for the narrative. Yeah, it gives, like, yeah, the cops and stuff reason to yeah. not believe them even more. And then they can, like, put the case to rest, so to speak, and then when the other deaths keep happening, it's like, oh, shit. But um, I also read that in that scene, that actor, uh, I can't remember his name, um, he was high on heroin. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, apparently he's got, like, red eyes and he's, like, trembling All in right, that I d- scene. I don't like him as much now. <laughs> he was just tweaking. Yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. There's also an interesting development uh, in this film towards the end, which gives Nancy the idea um, of how to defeat Freddy is, I think it's when she's in the sleep clinic and they put her under to monitor like her brain activity and she pulls out the hat Mm -hmm. from the dream. And that's when they're like, oh, if we can like pull Freddy into the real world, we can defeat him. Mm -hmm. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. (laughs) What I love about that is kind of... I can't remember what other movie I've said I liked it about, mm. but they set up a way. I think it might have been It Follows or something like that. Okay. They're like, they set up a way that the final act of the movie is going to go. It's like, oh, they come up with this plan. This is how they're going to defeat him. Mm. But then it doesn't work. And yeah. so, like, they actually defeat him another way mm. because she pulls him out and somehow sets up, like, Home Alone level yeah, right. booby traps in the house in the span of. Less than twenty minutes, yeah, uh, and quote unquote like thinks she's killed him, mm. but it doesn't kill him, and so she has to go back to the old reliable of I don't believe in you anymore. Yeah, yeah, like the fucking what was it, it chapter two. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I like that. I like that they set up a way, and then it gives the characters motivation to all right, I'm going to try this. Mm. Doesn't work. All right, gonna have to do something else then. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, it was like somewhat of a weird cop out in it, but in this I really like it because. It's in dreams is when he attacks, which is all in your mind. So when you bring him to the real world and you just use your like mind over matter to, to defeat him, I, don't know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's more effective in this. Yeah, it definitely plays fast and loose. With this whole fucking franchise plays fast and loose with the rules. Yeah. But it's starting in this first one where, yeah, she brings him into the real life and then she kills him, but then he disappears and then he comes back mm. as a magic man. Yeah. So yeah. it, it breaks itself a little bit there, but it's just accept it. Just just fine. It's look past it. I do like He's in, magic. I do like how you you see him like, you know, full on a blaze, like in the basement that was and a fucking running around. Bloody good fire stunt. Yeah, that. man. And they uh, they film that all in one take, just with multiple cameras. Oh really? Yeah, it I think it won best stunt of the year. That's sick. It, yeah, like the the stunt man gets lit on fire. Yeah. Runs up the stairs, falls down the stairs, runs back up the stairs. Yeah, wow. And originally, he wasn't supposed to do all that. He was just meant to get lit on fire and then, like, sort of fall just, down. Like, stagger around. Yeah. yeah. No, he went the extra mile. Oh, my. That's gnarly. Is Freddy fireproof? You do realize he's burnt, right? That's what I mean. <laughs> like, because he's burnt and now he's, like, somewhat eternal. Is he, is he, is he fireproof? Is he Hellboy? No. Okay. He's a dream man. Yeah, okay. 
you know what I also love about that scene where she's like trying to booby trap him is that fucking cop that's across the road, like where Glenn's just died. And he's just like watching the house. The dad's like told him to watch the house. She's like screaming out the windows, smashing shit. And he's just standing there watching. And I think it's only when he like goes up in flames. He's like, whoop, better see what's yeah. happening over here. Well, I mean, in his mind, she, he probably just thinks she's a bit crazy. Well, that's yeah. true. They do plant that seed. Um, I guess talking about that moment, they're at the other house because Glenn gets like, he falls asleep and he gets like sucked into his mattress. Mm-hmm. And then like you said before, there's just this like blood geyser into the ceiling, um, which I think they used over 500 gallons of fake blood for that. Nice. Um, and in the end, they just used dyed water because <laughs> apparently uh, fake didn't, blood didn't, didn't have right. the same effect. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and I also like how the cops put like a bucket downstairs like catch the leak because it's like dripping down that i love nice i love touch. the little like subtle piece of black humor where there's like two like uh i don't know what they're called ambulance people going paramedics up. Pa- yeah i guess they're paramedics or whatever they're going upstairs with a stretcher and i think it was a cop is like oh you don't need a stretcher you need a fucking mop <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah gnarly uh glenn's done Johnny Depp. It's a very out of brutal demise in his debut <laughs> film. Yeah, it's a very out of the blue death. Like comes at right near the end of the movie mm. and doesn't really get broadcast. Just all right, time for him to die. Seven days without sleep, Nancy says. I think Glenn asks her over the phone before he dies, "How long is it now?" And she's like, "Coming up to the seventh day." Okay, she I- is pretty cognitive for I- a week without yeah. sleep. I don't think that's physically possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does nap occasionally. And they say, what, like a 20-minute nap by 3 p.m. does wonders. (laughs) but Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm pretty sure if you go longer than 72 hours without sleep, Mm. you start to, like, hallucinate, and it's as bad as... It's like being drunk, isn't it? Yeah, being, like, some amount of times over the influence. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, she's living on fucking coffee and no-dos. I I remember those days. (laughs) Yeah, that was our, our adolescence. I like when the mother pulls the coffee pot away. She's got another one plugged in under the bed. <laughs> there, yeah, there's definitely little, like hints of like visual gags or stuff yeah. like that throughout the movie. That was good. They like to throw in some humor with mm. this with this horrific, yeah, tragedy. Yeah, what's the longest you've been awake? I don't know. I I think it was about three days in my teenage three. years. Shit, because I had I had glandular fever. Or mono, as the Americans call it, mm. at some point when I was a teenager, and so I was like super exhausted, super tired, mm. and just slept for a shit ton over like the period of a week, and then I got over it. And then I don't know if it was because I slept so much, I just stayed up watching YouTube and playing games. Wow! Uh, and it was, I think it was like three or so days, or like some school holiday. That's nice. And then there's the later. I used to work overnight at a certain fast food restaurant, so I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Got to work overnight. So oh, okay, I'm staying up all night. Oh, I necessity. Don't, yeah, I don't want to go to sleep, so I'm going to stay up all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess also when you broke your collarbone, it was hard to sleep, right? You were like sitting upright in a chair and sweating through the night. And... Yeah, well, I can't sleep on my back. Okay. Um, and can't so... hold breath underwater. Can't sleep on your back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I have a lot of problems. <laughs> Just quirks, quirks. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't think I've even surpassed two. Like when I hit twenty hours, I'm cooked. Oh, I couldn't do it nowadays. Nowadays, I'm in bed by nine. Yeah, same, right? Uh, uh, I also want to. I also want to. I don't. I don't know if I've fully fleshed this out in my mind yet. But, right. And I also don't want to fully take credit for this because I might have read it somewhere and forgot about it. Okay. But is there a lot of 
like subtext or tone about the murders being related to like sexuality in this movie. Because like the first oh. the first time Tina dies is just after they have sex, gets mm-hmm. killed in the bed, very bloodily. I'll let you draw your own analogy for that one. Yeah. Um, and so there's like the whole concept of going to sleep, you die, or like sleeping with someone, you die. Mm. Um, okay. You know, it's sort of seen as the the loss of innocence. Okay. Am I reading way too much into that, or do you think there's something there? I think that's very interesting parallel. The only one I can't connect that to is the mother. When, like, the fucking crypt with the fog machine and the disco lights falls into the <laughs> mattress at the end. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, no, that's interesting. Because we kind of... I don't know. We, we've surprisingly mentioned It Follows a bit on this one. Um, like in It Follows where we drew that conclusion that it was, like, an analogy for death. And then I made the point of, like, maybe it's, like, a fear of STDs or what have you. Mm-hmm. I guess in this, yeah, there could be a parallel made. Like, they're all... Horny teenagers, as is the 80s slasher trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, the, f- the first death is, like, after they've just had sex. Mm-hmm. Glenn and Nancy kind of, like, allude to it, but then he's like, don't... She goes, don't get any ideas. Like, you've just got to wake me up when I'm I'm stressing. Mm. So, that couldn't it's kind not, of be, like, it's, sexual it's not, tension. It's not indicated if they've actually had sex yet in the movie, right? I don't... I got the vibe that they hadn't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's explicitly said in dialogue, but yeah. And then because there's that that moment when she like asks him to come over and climbs in through the window and she's like, all right, watch me as I fall asleep. Um, and then he falls asleep anyway. But there was like that sexual tension. Mm. Um, and then when he dies, it's like this gush, like a sudden release <laughs> of blood. Like I, <laughs> I wonder if that's some kind of uh, analogy for, right, okay. you know what? But um, I don't know. I, th- I think that's interesting. There's, mm. there's something in there. Yeah, for sure. Now, we touched on this before. How do you interpret that ending? The car and the mother? I I honestly don't know. that. It My main problem with it mm. is I can't interpret it. To okay. me, I watch that scene and I'm taken out of the movie. And mm. I'm just... I, all I'm thinking is, all right, this is a scene that they've put in at the last minute. To beta sequel, yeah, and there's I, I read there was a lot of behind the scenes. I can't remember who the other guy was. I don't know if it was Sean Cunningham because mm. I know he was friends with Wes Craven and mm. might have had something to do with this movie. But like Wes Craven wanted an ending, and then this other guy, whether it was him or not, wanted a completely different ending. So I think Wes Craven's ending yeah. was a happy ending. Like she's defeated uh, Freddy, yeah, and goes off to live her life. Hooray! This other guy was like, no, she dies, everyone dies, Freddy's wins, dead. Mm. And then I think eventually at the last minute, they just sort of mixed the two and had like this sort of upbeat ending. But then, oh no, it turns out to be this. Yeah. He actually wins in the end. Yeah. But then it just, it like, it takes me out of the movie of, oh, this is not in line with the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, I get the one last scare thing, but I feel like there was a better way to do it. Kind of like a Christine approach where there's like the hint. That it's not quite defeated? Yeah, because it's so out of place. Like, yeah. she goes outside. Well, you've, you've just had, like, the culmination of the climactic battle or whatever, right? Mm. She doesn't believe in him, believe in him anymore. Mm. He disappears. And then, all of a sudden, she walks out a door. It's bright. Yeah, Mum, it's very bright mum, and sunny. And yeah, mum's alive. Yeah. All her friends are alive. So, are they trying to say, oh, yeah, she was actually... This whole thing was a dream the whole time. That'll mm. fucking trope. Oh, now that you've said it, 
And you were talking about like the argument with Sean or whoever it was. Maybe that's what it was. Like initially it was going to be like the whole film was a dream. Yeah. But that's awful. Yeah. Like that's terrible. Didn't yeah. work for Twilight. Cop didn't out. work for better movies. Uh, <laughs> and it just, I don't know. Gets like in it. the car, like the windows creep up, the fucking red and green stripe uh, roof yeah. comes down. Oddly enough, I like the way, because they do a very similar thing at the end of the second movie, right? Mm. Where he gets on a bus and then it turns out the bus is driven by Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And that mirrors, I think he has a similar dream at the start of the movie. So that's a nice like callback to the start of the second movie. Mm. Also showing that, you know, he didn't actually win and Freddy is still out there. Yeah. Whereas this first one, it comes out of nowhere and doesn't make a lot of logical sense. Yeah. And then, like you said before, the mother's like smiling and waving, then just gets reefed through the window from the clawed hand. Yeah. And she's also very... dummy. Yeah. She's also very like... I don't know if it was just like an actual choice of acting, Mm. but she's very stilted and talks weird. Like the mother does. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I finally feel like I don't need a drink. Yeah. yeah I'm all happy and fucking chirping. And then... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, go enjoy your day with your friends. I think the first time I saw this, I thought like she was Freddy and he was like imitating her and that's why she... Like her behavior was off. Right. But then obviously she gets reached through the window. Um, and then like watching it this time, I wondered if maybe that whole sequence at the end was like the mother's last dream. Before she dies. Good lord. Okay. Because, yeah, like she she's I think the last person to die in this film, right? Yeah. Um, well, no, if, yeah, if you're not including like the end, kids in the car. Well, yeah, if that's yeah. not actually real. And that's what I was I was thinking. Like, made the most sense in my mind if like this was what she was thinking. Like, everyone is okay. Her <laughs> her daughter isn't crazy. Like, her friends are alive, and she's got a happy relationship, whatever. And then Freddie comes in and traps them and kills her and that's when she sinks into the mattress in like reality in the film interesting take yeah it doesn't make me hate it any less yeah i mean how so how does freddie die before this final scene he just kind of like disappears into like some shitty <laughs> some pixie like magic. cgi right yeah 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 as she reaches for the door yeah yeah okay i feel like a, that last scare would have been better if that happened and then, I don't know, maybe she, like, hugs her dad in the street and the cops arrive and everything. And, um, I don't know, maybe it, like, pans out and kind of, like, Nightmare 3. Like, the moon is becomes his eyeball and he winks. <laughs> and then the credits roll. Like, that would have been cool. Yeah. I kind of, like, that goofy charm as well that Nightmare films have. Well, that would be really out of place in the first movie, though. Because he's, not, oh, goo- he's, true, not, he's not goofy enough in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. That's starting to sound like fucking Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I would prefer. Okay, okay. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of dissolved transitions between scenes I noticed as well, which I think is a, a really cool tool to use in, in films where there's a lot of dream sequences. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes the whole viewing experience feel like a bit of a dream. Everything kind of blurs together. And I also like uh, what's done well, particularly in this first film, this franchise, um, the dream sequences aren't always obvious that they're dreams. Um, They get better as the franchise goes on. I don't know whether it's just like experience or having previous films to go by. Uh, But it's like, you know, it might be a strange situation and you'll be at home and then all of a sudden this weird thing happens or this weird person appears that doesn't make logical sense and that's Mm -hmm. when you realise it's a dream. But then in later films, it'll be like a kill or something that's happened that seems real 
and then they'll like close their eyes and open them again or something and they're in a different place and mm-hmm. that's how you realize that it was all fictitious. Yeah. I don't know if I've just butchered that <laughs> to a to an audible audience, but um I don't know, it's just done really really well in this film. Um I like it when uh something happens in, in a horror film um to the point where maybe a main character is getting slaughtered and they show it to the point where there's no coming back and then it turns out they're like daydreaming or mm. it was just a vision or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other examples of movies that have done that. Because I, I like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should have put more thought into that point before I brought it up in this episode. That's right. Anyway, uh, really cool score in this film as well. Kind of yeah. like an eerie ambient kind of one. Lots of like screeching strings put you on edge. Kind of remind me of his claws on metal. Yeah, in, ter- and, in um, terms of like my favorite scores for horror movies, this mm, one's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like tinny percussion as well where it sounds very like reverberant and empty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i guess um kind of sounds like i don't know beaten trash cans and stuff yeah, like lots, lots of chimes and bells yeah yeah lots of creepy stuff that could you know be at home at a playground or a basement yeah. um but also yeah having that like childlike melody to it like the the nursery rhyme of course just very fitting and something i was going to ask you i mentioned this earlier uh, well, I mentioned one of them earlier. Um, do you, what, what's your favorite death or kill in the franchise? Is it the puppet one in Dream Warriors? Yeah, I'll see if I can come up with another one though, because everyone already knows I love that. That's that is my top mm. one. But if I could try and think of another one, I've got one more outside. Like the puppet one is probably the best. Mm-hmm. But then outside of that, the head explosion in Freddy's Dead is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> um, but I got one more. I got one. Oh more. no! Okay. Yeah, I think she dies in this one, yeah. Mm. It's in, oddly enough, number three as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he just has the uh, like heroin needles as gloves and then puts them inside the oh. track marks on her arm. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, something about that. You know what I really enjoy? I mean, she's probably enjoying it as she dies. Yeah, heroin. and I like in that film that a lot of his kills are, in a way, like Saw, they're, they're catered to that person. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, you know, the TV chick dies because she wanted to be a TV star. Yep. That chick was, is a recovering addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy that dies, you know, on the on the tower, he was like building puppets and dolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool that they, they went that way with it. Another one I really love is, I think in Dream Master, when the like fitness chick becomes a oh, fucking cockroach. cockroach. I forgot about that How one. gnarly is that? When, yeah, <laughs> the weight falls down. Or She's like doing bench pushed presses. down and then her fucking arm snaps and a cockroach arms comes out of it. Yeah. And the arms oh, just beautiful. like flop to the ground. Yeah. And then these, yeah, bug oh, legs come out of the holes. I can't believe I forgot about that, but you're yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah, that's probably in, in the top three. And then he just has this little roach metal that he squishes and little goo comes out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was sick. Yeah. Um. They're, they're probably probably my three. I yeah, think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in this episode that this uh, series is your favorite in the big three. Yes. You know, out of Nightmare Friday and Halloween. Uh huh. Um. As you know, Halloween, the the John Carpenter original, is is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh. But I'll say this, I think Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four, is the best aged first installment in any of these slashes. Like out of the first okay. first film in like the big 
big franchises, like including, you know, um, Hellraiser and Exorcist and all that. Like, this is probably the best aged practical effects. And I, I much prefer this series as a whole to Friday the 13th. I know Friday the 13th is a lot of people's favorite, but there's not much to the story. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people's like have that as their favorite mm. just because of the icon of it. Whereas the actual movies themselves yeah. aren't necessarily that good. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. just, just Freddie, no, sorry, just uh, Jason as an icon, like mm. he's the most recognizable probably. Yeah. Like people just latch onto the him in particular, not necessarily any particular like movie in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Like Fri- the Friday films are fun to watch and the first one, like it's good to watch with friends. Mm. Uh, I think it, I think the Friday, the uh, Nightmare franchise like the whole franchise as a whole mm. compared to all the others is the most fun yeah yeah and it, that's obviously lended because freddy as the villain gets mm. fun and yeah he gets funny and he has humor and like the whole concept of freddy um and he's like this dream demon that attacks these kids in their dreams and um all of the story behind it is a lot more interesting than friday mm. and halloween um but i do think john carpenter's halloween is is shot better. That man is just... <laughs> yeah. His vision is incredible um, I will, I as a director. Yeah. But in, in terms of like the depth to to a character or just a franchise in general, this definitely takes the cake for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Seven films in 10 years. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, that might explain why some of them are questionable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just churning them out like they did in, way back then. But, mm-hmm. yeah... No, it's uh. Do, do you think it's done after that remake, twenty ten remake? Do you think? I think it's gone I, to bed. Uh, well, I think Robert Englund is definitely dead. Like he's not coming back. He's how old is that man now? He's got to be in his eighties or something. Eighties, oh, nineties, or now. So it has to be. There's mm. no way they can continue it. I hope they don't. Yeah, yeah. We uh, they tried their hand at a remake and it flopped. And uh, I don't know. Freddie, like, you got to use Robert England. I think my, uh, my, my, my photo art that I would hang on the wall is probably the Geyser of Blood. I think that's yes. the most beautiful yes. shot in this movie. It is, and also just like because of the, the sheer challenge of creating that in oh, real yeah. life, where they create a whole rotating room. Yeah, for sure, because you can see it like running off, mm. like towards the window one side, and now you know why. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. nice, very nice. Man, this gallery is getting full. I hope we're buying a fucking mansion for Dead You House. know what I'd like to do is actually like print out all the ones that I've said and then going forward and like actually hang them up. But mm. I don't even know how the fuck I would do that. If we ever live together again, <laughs> let's <laughs> convince Alex to uh, frame some of these stills. Hell yeah. That'd be cool. Um, I think I think that might be it. Let's do it. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed our ramblings of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie slash franchise. Yeah. Um. Overall, very much enjoy this movie. Mm. Very much enjoy this franchise. Classic. Yes. Catch us every Friday at 5 p.m. on your favorite streaming service. Yeah. Uh, catch us on our socials at Deadhouse or Deadhouse Pod. Swing us a follow. That's it. DeadhousePod at hotmail.com if you have any questions or anything like that to email. Anything you want us to read out, send us some memes, anything. <laughs> yeah, I always want memes. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs>